everybody happy to another week another show another day with the lefkoe man so happy to have you guys back again hope you get you look great i see you looking in the mirror you look amazing uh welcome back and we got a beautiful show we're gonna have the guest ran getlin former nfl network insider that i'm gonna be honest he was really honest he, what he's going to tell you guys about the NFL Network and how reporting works in the NFL is going to really open up a lot of people's eyes. At the end of the show, I have a left conspiracy for you. Yes, I do. I have a conspiracy theory that I think has a chance to really, really be interesting. It's a conspiracy theory about Belichick replacing Gronk. So after the Rand Getlin interview, stay tuned uh, for that. Just some like news and notes with the homies and how you guys are living. Appreciate Seth Bernstein for helping launch the Reddit for Lefko Show. I uh, think about like last time I checked, about 90 people had subscribed. Uh, so go into that. We're going to do a Q&A on that Reddit. So if you want to go into that Reddit, r backslash Lefko Show, uh, one of the posts there is a weekly Q&A. People will put up there some questions, and I'll answer one or two uh, probably on the Thursday episode of the podcast. Uh, good to see that up and running. Not sure if you saw this. Christian McCaffrey posted a dunk, and uh, I got a text right away from Devante saying, don't make me show him my dunks. I said, Devante, you show away. He tweeted him out, and I'm telling you, we're working on it. This NFL dunk contest has legs, really big legs. I don't think Devontae Adams and Christian McCaffrey are the only two guys that can dunk in the NFL, and I know that Bleach Report is going to work our way to making sure that it is a big-time show. Every week I do some news and notes. Make sure you guys get caught up on what is going on. A lot of camps are going to be starting for the new coaches. So right now we're going to get, you know, the Browns, and there'll be a lot of stories about Freddie Kitchens. We're going to see Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals. And look at our best coach in the NFL, our favorite coach, Sean McVay, pranking him at dinner. Love it. Um, but also there was a trade. Jordan Howard traded to the Eagles for a 2026 round pick, a conditional pick. I had a lot of people hitting me up about this. I do not believe that Jordan Howard is a top five running back. I don't think he's a top 10 running back. But what I do think he is that everyone's underestimating, he is a motivating, game-changing, and temperament-changing running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. When the Patriots wanted to put you away... They gave it when the Eagles want to put you away in the Super Bowl season. They gave it to Legarrette Blunt. You know when the Rams want to put you away, they had Gurley. Uh, the Patriots were able to do it in the Super Bowl with Sony Michelle. Eagles didn't have that. So to get a guy on third and one and third and two, who's the number one runner behind the center in the NFL last year, behind the number one center at blocking up the run in Jason Kelsey, I think it gives them a guy that could help them win games, but he might not give you the 60-yard play, the 70-yard play. But also, he's tough as frickin' nails. I mean, the quotes from the Chicago Bears about this guy playing with his shoulder falling off, it's, it's a trade that I understand from the Bears' perspective. It shows you where we are with the running backs in the current market. But I also understand from the Eagles' perspective, it gives you a hard-nosed fighter at that position. I still think they might draft somebody, but I think it's a good piece to have. Uh, 
two things that you probably didn't see before we get to Rand Getlin and his enlightening interview. Now he's working with Park Stories. Uh, two uh, executives in the NFL. One is Jim Ursay. And I realized that he may have found, hey, Quentin, what's up, man? His perfect counterpart, guys, in Chris Ballard. So Jim Ursay recently told Chris Ballard about a very high like ranking, but also a very notorious player. And I'm like, man, I wonder if this is Le'Veon Bell or whoever it is. He said, you go get him. You be aggressive. And I have no problem with that. Let's get this guy with a horseshoe on his helmet. Ursay then said that he ba- that Ballard said, you know, we went to this number and I couldn't do it, Jim. I couldn't. And then Ursay said, Chris is very disciplined in his belief on how to build a team. And it's great to see him stick by his discipline. You know that in the past, when a GM went to work for Jim Irsay, Jim Irsay said, let's do it. Let's go 100 miles an hour. Let's spend all of this hundreds of millions of dollars on anybody we want. Let's bring them in. And now he's finally got a guy to say no to him. Because every GM in the past would be like, yes, let me spend this money. This is what Irsay's needed all along, is a no. Is somebody that can go... Man, I love that you'll do everything for this team, Mr. Owner, but not today. Trust me, we have a direction. And then Ursay finished it up with, we like to keep our gunpowder dry because you never know when you might need it. I think that Chris Ballard is currently building uh, an absolute juggernaut with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they've only signed five guys this season, offseason. Uh, they returned them, Glowinski, Desir, Marcus Hunt, Gathers, and Vinatieri. They signed two free agents, Justin Houston and Devin Funches. Big, impactful on third down. Devin Funches across the middle on third down. Justin Houston getting after the quarterback on third down. And they still have about $70, $80 million in the cap. They're not doing what the Raiders are doing and throwing $5 million to Perfect here and $10 million to LaMarcus Joyner. They're keeping their own. They're drafting. They're building up. And they're going to use that money when they need it in the waiver system. Ursay finally has his no guy. And I think that's a really big deal for the Colts. The other story that I don't think you guys saw, I know you didn't see, is the Bengals vice president made some quotes that if he were on any other team, it would be front page news and some people would go, you're a front office person? So here's what he had to say, Bengals VP Ben Freeland, when asked why do the Bengals re-sign right tackle Bobby Hart? You could tell that it upset him. This is what he said. For those who say you shouldn't have signed Bobby Hart, who's going to play right tackle? Who? Oh, maybe you'll draft one in the third round and he'll come on. Really? You're going to bet your season on that? Then he kind of took a shot at Trent Brown. This is what he said next. If you're not going to play him, tell me who. Trent Brown at $17 million? Really? A seventh-round draft pick. Let go essentially by his team. Really? We can't go to Walmart and buy off the shelf. A high-quality starting right tackle? That doesn't exist in free agency. Wait, what? So now you think that we got to go shop for tackles at Walmart and you're going to insult my man Trent Brown about his contract? Oh, yeah, let's just ignore the fact that Trent Brown had a great season with the Patriots. But there's more here from Ben. We asked Willie Anderson if he could go to a time machine and come back at age 25. We'd love to sign him, but you have to deal in your universe of options. This dude just Rick Pitino'd his press conference. Anton Walker's not going to come through that. Larry Bird's not going to come through that door. Havlicek ain't going to come. But he just Willie Anderson is not going to come through that door. And only because he's in Cincinnati 
Is this not making bigger news? If Gettleman said that you can't shop for tackles at Walmart and I wasn't going to pay that guy, are you crazy? They would have gone nuts. But it's only because he's in Cincinnati. And you want to know the proof? Because the Cincinnati vice president's name is not Ben Freeland. It's Troy Blackburn. But you have no idea. Okay? You have no idea. Because Troy Blackburn is actually the VP of the Bengals. He actually said all those things, but I read it and I was like, this is crazy. But that's what it's like, apparently, to be with the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, let's get to uh, the main man, Rand Getland, former NFL Network insider. You will may remember back in 2016, he was the reporter that broke Janoris Jenkins' contract, Brock Osweiler, Kalecio Semele, J.R. Sweezy got a big deal, and then all of a sudden, Ram was gone. And I was like, what's going on? He was beaten. Rapport, he was like number two to Schefter that year. Then I see Park stories, and I see the story with um, Jalen Ramsey, and I see uh, the story with Zion Williamson, and I see the story with Jarvis Landry, and I go, this aligns with the show. This aligns with the Lefko show about showing these NFL athletes and what they're like under the helmet. Uh, Rand's going to talk about his experiences in law, how he transitioned to a reporter, and is very, very, very honest about his time with the NFL Network. To the homies, you know that we always say, don't just look at the news that is being broken. Look at the person that is also breaking the news. Rand doubles down on that. Now, our conversation with Rand Gettlin. What do you think about the intro song? I was about to say something. I just want to let it ride, though. Do it. Oh, okay. Hey. Uh, I, I always tell everybody, one of our awesome listeners, Rod Simba, made the beat he's made all of our music thus far okay him and the regulators they get in the studio they get the live instruments yeah they, they said now that it's the left go show we need something a little bit more funky i was about to say i feel like this is very on brand for you bro oh like- yes no i you know this oh by the way everybody uh that is the voice of Rand getlin uh storyteller uh him and his amazing wife janina i think we could show her on camera if she's cool with it uh they have uh the production is it a production company park stories yeah it's a it's a production company it's uh it's ever evolving so we do a lot but yeah production company and i found out about you just from nfl network and being a reporter and breaking news and seeing you break news on top of a dumpster and all that stuff (laughs) like i've seen all those things before um how are you i'm great man i appreciate you i'm so happy you came to new york dude i appreciate you bro i'm a big fan um you know we so thank you you know when i was like social media friends yeah 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 100 we've like dm'd a lot and we've never actually met before and this is the first time but that's the internet that's why the internet do we become best friends i think so I think so. <laughs> no, it's amazing, man. I mean, uh, as a reporter, you know, I used to develop relationships on the phone. Sure. Primarily, right? So you'd go like a year talking to somebody two, three hours a day when you're yeah. in it. And uh, and then you'd meet for the first time. And it was like, it was always interesting because you're like, hey, you know, yes. I know you and it's warm. And at the same time, you're like, this feels different. Yeah, like, 100%. Yeah, but yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to be out here. Cool. Jay is thrilled to be out here. So yeah. thanks for having us. Um. Can you explain everybody your path? How did you get to this point? And by the way, uh, I've played clips of your stuff before. I've linked to it. Uh, if you've seen the Jalen Ramsey mini documentary about kind of him being a, a dad and interacting with his dad in training, the Jarvis Landry one, uh, I think those were all over the place. And even in college basketball, your Zion one, 
It's always great when you can go over a million views on YouTube. <laughs> that that's got to feel pretty darn special. So yeah. you, you've you've been able to to be with these athletes and show their interpersonal lives. Um, but how did we get to this point? What was your, what was your path? Yeah, fair question. So I don't have a, a short answer for you. I always say this is gonna be the short answer, and it's yeah, always mad long. But I'm gonna give you the. It's a podcast. We yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, I love it. So you know, the short answer is, um, you know, I started back in college. I went to the University of Oregon. I lived with football players. Mm they were my best friends. And so, you know, I was the, uh, uh, student, you know, the one that, that really actually had to pay attention to his grades cause I wasn't going to the league. Right. And a lot of these dudes were. And so I would also help them get their grades, right? Like, of course I'd be on, I'm like, bro, you gotta have your grades, right? Like, I don't care about that. Like you have to care about it. So let me help you get it right. Yeah. You know? And a lot of these dudes came from less. South Central Los Angeles, where, where a bunch of my buddies were from. You know, I grew up in Riverside, California, moved to Portland, Oregon. But I grew up in foster care. I grew up on food stamps. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I know what struggle is. You could connect to them. Yeah, I know what that feels like. And, and so, um, you know, I also happen to be multi-ethnic. Now, nobody knows that uh, because I don't. It's not something I usually like lead with, right? And I pass. You know, nobody has any idea that I'm for multi-ethnic sure. unless I bring it up. So I've heard. I allowed myself to be Italian for a long time. There you go. I'm Jewish. <laughs> now I think it's identity is enormous. Yeah, 100%. it is. It's huge. And you know, having grown up in uh, the black community, having grown up without much at certain points in my life, and then with a lot at yeah. other points in my life, because I ended up getting brought in. Uh, uh, through foster care to what is now my adoptive family, but they're, they're my family. Like I don't of course. ever say adopt, right? It's my mom, my dad, my brother, but they had done very well for themselves. So it was like the fresh prince. Mm. So I'd kind of crossed this bridge, if you will. Right. I went from having not much living on food stamps in an environment where there's a lot of violence, um, comparatively. Sure. And then I went out to the burbs where the demographics were completely flipped. I went from being the only white boy in my high school to being uh, the only, you know, white dude that acted black at an all-white school. Sure. And so uh, there were all these identity things that I had to work through as as a young guy. And as I got older and started getting through the college thing with these football players, helping them to cross that bridge as well was important to me. I'm like, bro, if you're going to go to the league... You need to know how to act when right. you hit the mainstream. Like you can't, you can't act in the mainstream the way you acted at home. Right. And I'm not saying you have to completely change who you are. No. I'm just saying you have to be aware of the, the new ground rules. So that's a long way of saying, you know, Park Stories, our production company, is an extension of that. Janina is an immigrant. Uh, she's Filipina. She was born in the Philippines, uh, raised for the first few years of her life in Manila, and then moved to Juneau, Alaska, where she mm-hmm. was an immigrant in a small community, and they were minorities. And so collectively, you know, we just have a deep, deep passion for helping those who were not supposed to succeed mm-hmm. to maximize their success, right? And, and the point of that is that they get to be beacons of hope and light for all the kids like us right. who are sitting there thinking to ourselves like, man, this situation looks hopeless but look at them of they course. made it and here's how they made it through hard work determination effort and you know we want to do that too so um you know I, I ended up when i got done with uh college i went to law school at usc and uh is a top 20 law school you know the conventional path is you get through your you go through year one you get an internship you go through year two you get an internship at a, another firm then you get an offer right. then you go to work you make two hundred thousand dollars a year Next year you make two twenty. Next year you make two forty. Next yeah, year you make two seventy. Right? Is laid. Yeah. And you know, if you make partner, you're making eight hundred, nine hundred a year at the top of the top. Yeah. Um, 
really attractive to a kid who came from nothing. Uh, I think that's attractive to a lot of people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, what ended up happening is it took me like virtually no time. I was like, I worked in, you know, a couple law firms and, uh, you know, bottom line, I was like, yo, this is not for me. This is not for me. Like you just feel it. This is not for me. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not gonna be able to be myself. I'm not a suit and tie guy, uh, you know, and and um, culturally, uh, they're not uh, large law firms are not. Uh, I just call it what it is, right? They're not diverse places. Not at all. Culturally or uh, from you know an ethnic standpoint. So uh, I, I was just like, even in law school, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna figure out a different way to do it. So I've always been very <clears throat> entrepreneurial, wanted to try out different things and have, and you know, through that process, I stumbled into. I'd started a consultancy to help college players navigate the transition from college to the pros, right? I got my law degree now, and I'm like, yo, I know the agent game. I've seen that. Like, right. my friends went through it. I interned at agencies when I was in college. Sure. And so I'd learned enough about it to be like, man, you know, if I was 21 and I had to choose a lawyer, a CPA, a financial advisor, an agent, like, how, do, how am I supposed to do that? How do you know what's how? good, what's bad, who's great, who's not, who's lying to your face? Sure. How do you have any idea, right? Yeah. And so I was like, I, I remember I went to the... Uh, I went to the Players Association when I was kind of in the research phase, and I'm like, hey, if I wanted to find out how many times an agent has been fired and by whom, if I was selecting an agent, how could I do that? And they're like, oh, we don't keep those stats. Mm. I mean, why? Don't, don't you think that's relevant? Like, sure. Wouldn't you want your son or daughter to know, right? If, if they've so, been fired 12 times, yeah. Or 30 times, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then to be able to reach out to those players and be like, what happened? Why did this happen? And if it's just like, oh, you know, I didn't like him. That's one thing. If it's another thing, like, yo, I think this dude either ripped me off or led me to somebody who ripped me off. Like, don't right. you think that that is a material, you know, element of making a decision that could impact this kid's life? Especially if because only there was like an association that like looked after the <laughs> players. Yeah, sure. Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll take us on a detour. Anyway, so so I was very passionate about that. That business ultimately was not commercially viable because I had a fundamental flaw in my business model. That was that I assumed that NCAA member institutions cared enough about their kids to invest in a program to help them make that transition successfully. Mm. Yo, could not have been more wrong. Really? Could not have been more wrong. How quickly did you figure that out? It took me a year and a half to finally give up on it. And it was the, t- it was, it was the most painful, it was the most painful failure in my life. Bar none. Well, because it sounds like everything felt like it was leading up to that. Yeah. Your experience at college and like seeing it firsthand and like they're going through the draft and you're going through law school and it's this perfect thing where now I get to help and then, oh, y'all don't give a shit? Right. Yeah. Right. Bro, it it blew me away. And I'll remember, I'll never forget, bro. So I I remember like, you know, I'm I'm super OCD. Like she can tell you more. So I'm like (laughs) maniacal about it. Right. So it's like when I'm in it, I'm I'm in it. 15, 16, 17 hours a day. I wake up at 5 a.m. on fire. I start working and then, you know, I go to sleep when I pass out like 10, 11 at night and I'm working at all moments in between that. We sure. work from home. So like there's no commute. There's yeah, no, there's no cutoff. I'm not talking to anybody in my office. Right. You know, it's me and Janina. So, um, you know, with that, like I, I just learned so much and I knew that these kids needed help. So I remember sending uh, to a university. I mean, bro, yeah, let's put it out. There's the University of Oklahoma. There was a compliance guy there. Um, and I sent him an email that said uh, it was, I remember it was called Million Dollar Mistakes. And I think it was like Kenny Anderson and Antoine Walker talking about having, you know, I bought mink coats and I was trying to put my people on. And so, yeah. you know, and I blew through my money, but like, I didn't know. And I'm like, how would they know? 
They came from the hood. Like, who was going to tell them? Who was going to tell them? Yeah. You know, you say you got $100 million. Like, I got $100 million. I'm good forever. No, you're not, forever. bro. That 100 is 50 right? After agent right after fees, ta- taxes, yep. Yep. everything else, right? Then you're going to get churned from all other things. And then extrapolate. Take that 50. And in basketball, it's a little bit different because those guys play longer careers, you right. Know, right? So they make more money. And, and it's, it's guaranteed. guaranteed. And it's guaranteed. Yeah. So it's different money. Uh, but extrapolate 15, or, sorry, $50 million out over the course of, let's say a guy retires when he's 30, the next 40 years of his life, right. I'm not saying it's a small amount of money. I'm saying it's not as much as they think it is. Also, when like you're living a lifestyle, no one goes, you're not playing anymore, so you can't live like that. Right. So you got to downsize. They're going to go, no, I worked to have this for the right. rest of my life. Yeah. Right. And my family, you know, et sure. cetera. And a lot of these athletes have big hearts. You know, they want to take care of their entire family and they're trying to help everybody out. And this was Antoine Walker's story. So anyway, so I sent this, this really moving, I remember it was an OTL piece to this guy at, at Oklahoma. And I'll never forget, bro, I got a response from him. I think I'd sent it to a whole bunch of people and he was on the list. And I got a response from him that said, box a Kleenex question mark. Like this dude is charged with helping these young men succeed in life. Yeah. And the comment was dripping with condescension, jealousy, and a lack of basic care or empathy. And bro, I was floored. Not only that that's how he really felt, but that this dude was dumb enough to put it in an email right and send it out and then five minutes later i got that it was an outlook uh you know such i won't say his name but such and such is trying to recall the message oh, you know, really? <laughs> he didn't mean to send he it to knew. me yeah, yeah. well i don't think he meant to send it to me oh wow so anyway i, I say i'll say this you know it's good to see that honesty though yeah man good I, for your own perspective it, it was because it, it helped me understand like i'm probably fighting a losing battle here this is back in 2009 2010 so that experience led me to basically say, okay, this business is not going to, it's not going to win. I didn't uh, take the bar straight out of law school because I was like, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go do this. Now I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I owe $200,000 in law loans. Yeah. I'm not practicing law. I'm not making $200,000. And those, uh, those offers from those law firms, they're not there anymore, bro. The entire law, right? right? The the, the law industry, uh, the legal practice industry had collapsed that year, Mm. 2009, 2010s. It was done. There was no going back. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'd worked out here that summer uh, at, a, at a law firm in um, a, a top 25 global law firm in, in the financial district. And I'd had an offer, 160 plus 40 bonus. Turned it down. Nope, not doing it. So now it's like, oh man, what am I going to do? So I had become friendly with, as I started gathering all this in-depth information on agents, financial advisors, marketing guys, I had this like very highly, I basically given myself or taught myself uh, the equivalent of a PhD in professional service providers for professional athletes. Right. Where, where is that valuable? <laughs> no, nowhere, no. right? Except as maybe a reporter. And I had befriended uh, some reporters at Yahoo. And so I was like, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm in a tough spot. Like, I don't know what to do next. I don't want to practice law. I feel like it'd be so crushing. Uh, can you get me a job doing what you guys do? So uh, Charles Robinson at Yahoo was like, uh, you know, yeah, I, th- I think I can help you. Let me, let me yeah. see what I can do. And he was um, he was amazing. You know, he basically went to bat for me, and I got a gig making twenty seven thousand dollars a year, 
you know this as well as I do. Sure. New York City, Los Angeles, you can't breathe the air for $27,000 Shit, a year. I was making $18,500 <laughs> in Nebraska. I yeah. couldn't imagine making twenty seven in New York. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. I feel like I spent twenty seven five on coffee over the years. Yeah. That's it was crazy, crazy, bro. And we were in Portland, so it was like a little bit easier. But, yeah, yeah, still. But that was that, bro. So I started, I started writing at the intersection of law and sport for Yahoo. And then over time, like it was this evolution. Like I went from doing kind of investigative work, trying to trying to basically like highlight um, how janky the NCAA is and was and is. Yeah. Um, and I was like, look, if they're not going to acknowledge that these kids have value in the market, we have to prove that that market exists so that they can no longer deny it. That was the force of my work in the beginning and also analyzing how players were being separated from their money. Mm. So I investigated financial impropriety committed against players. Uh, we'd uncovered multiple Ponzi schemes, multiple Ponzi schemes. Really? And at the time, we weren't calling them Ponzi schemes uh, because uh, defamation is a very real thing, right? As an right. investigator, so if you accuse someone of that, they could come back and, and it could really be over quick. Yeah. Um, and nobody knows any of this because we're not, I've never really talked out loud about it. But I'm I'm not in the industry anymore, so yeah. I, I can now talk about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, bro, like we saw it, and so what we were doing is we'd identified. There's a lawyer out of um, uh, Miami, Florida. His name's Chase Carlson, and uh, he's phenomenal. Um, he's a securities attorney who essentially his entire life is going to get money back for people who have been ripped off. And mm. he specializes in working for athletes, which is a problem in and of itself, right? right? Like he recognized that there was enough, there, there were enough athletes being ripped off sure. that he needed to specialize in that area in order to help them get their money back. Because if you know all of the players in the industry, we hear who the scammers are yeah. before it, it happens, right? So we'd identified, he and I, working kind of like really hard in our opposite spheres, but um, sharing information to the extent that we could, when we could, to help each other get further down the road on like what's really happening here. It's weird, too, because I feel like it's one of the few times where there's no public sympathy. Like there's this weird notion that when an athlete gets ripped off, well, he should have been smarter with his money. Like even I'm watching this big baller brand stuff right now, and and everyone's kind of going, man, that's what LeVar gets. And I'm like... Dude just fucked him out of one point five million. Like if you're a really good trusted business partner did that to you, you'd be at the barber shop or you'd be at the bar like going, Isn't this crazy? And everyone would be saying, Wow, what an asshole, but instead we're going, What a bad dad. Like it's weird. Like we don't when an athlete loses money, it's like <laughs> that's it, it's it's like we, we bemoan them for having God given talents. You know? Like like they didn't deserve to be that athletic anyway. It's weird. So this is why I appreciate and respect you so much. And it, it's interesting. I So this is the first time I've done anything on camera. Yeah. Really anything since I left the NFL Network. Um, and, you know, the reason why it was such an easy yes for me is because you are an advocate for players. You, like, ever since I've been aware of you, you've yeah. been writing for players. Always. And I wish more people would do that. I just... For me, it's like this empathy thing too, and I don't know if it's because like I've I've I'm friends with a bunch of them, mm-hmm. and like I've met them over time. But like, once you also like, there's this weird thing like I, I watch the media, and they like always go so hard in one direction, and they and we paint them out like Odell was always fascinating to me. I'm like, here is this kid, and he's being made to be this like huge creation, and I I just don't ever think anyone looks and goes, he's 25, right. Like he's a 25-year-old right. person that if he tweets something out, it will be on SportsCenter. Yep. If he posts a video, it'll be on House of Highlights. Right. And I just am always fascinated at like, they're not all Mrs. Kardashian. 
They're right. not all these media manipulators that can like see the system and know the impact. A lot of them are just normal people that have a gift and we turn on them so quickly. And it's, yeah. And I appreciate you saying that, of course, and I appreciate you sharing it, but, um, Oh, please can continue with where you're yeah. going. Well, if, I couldn't agree with you more. It's gross. And just real quick before we move on, you know, however you feel about Lavar, yeah. How could you not feel horrible for Lonzo? Right. He was 19, bro. Like he trusted people around him, and he yes. got ripped off. So why is it not like, man, this is horrible? Let's do something about it. So to your point, we can cover these Ponzi schemes. We're letting you know players know behind the scenes. Hey, man, um, I've I've obtained promissory notes that are very troubling. Um, for two separate investments mm. that I know that you have put money into. I know this is jarring. I'm not trying to scare you. What I am trying to do is make clear to you that we have uncovered enough signs that these are dubious investment schemes. That was what we had to use before, you know, actually right. saying Ponzi. Right, they were right, right. dubious investment schemes. And there's this thing on a FINRA, so the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority or something like that. So on their website... Uh, and all athletes should know this. Yeah. There's something that uh, – I don't know if they still have it, but back when we were doing this in 2013, 12, something like that, they had something that was called Scam Check. Bro, it is I'm, – I'm not kidding. It's like – is the promissory – is it a promissory note? Is it a private – yes. Okay. Red flag starts to click up. Right. Did they roll over your note? Yes. Clicks up a little bit more. Is the interest rate – you know, whatever it was, 20% or more. Yes, it's a scam. Really? Like, it's not hard. Like, no. literally, just go, right? And all of these dudes were, some of the players were talking to us behind the scenes and sharing with us, like, man, here are some of, here are the, some, some of the things were happening. This yeah. uh, financial advisor was recruiting me at the strip club. Um, you know, he'd pick me up in a limo, drop a big bag, like, give me a Gucci bag full of money, yeah. you know. And then I knew behind the scenes this financial advisor was paying intermediaries five ten thousand dollars per meeting okay just to get to the player in the first place so you're looking at it and you're like okay to wait portray this type of stuff yes right? now now pete this is where it gets really fascinating so okay one of the beautiful things about the financial advisor industry is there is a decent amount of transparency especially when guys are at uh what we call ra so they're kind of independent shops and you can see how much money they have under management all right, so you go and you yeah. say like, okay, how much money does this dude have under management? Well, he has, let's use easy numbers for ease of math. He's got $100 million under management. All right, how do financial advisors make their money? They get 1% of money under management. Okay, cool, he's making a million a year. We've got a staff of five people, plus himself. What kind of house is he in? Oh, he's in a 7,000 square foot mansion. Uh, what kind of cars he drive? Oh, he's got three cars, Mazi, Ferrari, yeah. Lamb, right? And you're like, Something is not adding up. Like, if you got 600 or 500 after your million is cut down and you got to pay staff, yeah, like, how are you living like this as a standalone? We're not even getting into how are you dropping bags on people with a hundred thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars, right? right? And how are you giving a dude ten thousand dollars stack on his way to the strip club, yeah, in a limo? Like, how are you and paying five thousand dollars to the intermediary? Like, it doesn't add up. So you're automatically on high alert, like, bro, something's happening here. Right. Like, something is amiss. Okay, so to your point, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, that's just, you know, dumb jocks. They should know better. Why? And then additionally, when you look at it and you really look at it from, a, from an empathy-focused place, you're like, these kids are often very vulnerable. They don't see themselves as kids, and we can use young men to, to, to honor what they're becoming, right? Sure. But the, the bottom line is they just 
are not equipped to deal with this world that they're being thrust into. And then cultural norms, a lot of these financial advisors who to do this stuff prey upon them because they know that these are the things that these kids have been brought up to believe are the things that they should seek out, that they want, that they need. When you're 20, 21 years old, you can be lured, a 20, 21 year old, red blooded American yeah. male, right? You can be lured into a lot of things that you can't be lured into when you're 31. Yeah, right? you've seen it a little bit. Exactly. If I was a college kid and I'm getting ready for the draft, I would think that people dropping off bags would be the norm. 100%. I would think that people telling me that I'm going to invest in the next Starbucks or I'm going to have like my own chain of something, like this is what comes with the NFL. And yeah. then when, when my community comes back to me and they need money, don't worry because I'm investing for my future. And they end up being the biggest man in their entire community. And they're mm-hmm. responsible for so much. So even myself, I'm going... I mean, we've all seen the movies. Yeah. Give me the cash. Right. Drop the bag. Right. Yeah. And this is not a secret, but having spent, you know, I think five years as an investigative reporter and and doing it at a very high level, three years running, uh, I either uh, authored or co-authored or was involved uh, deeply in the... uh, you know, the research leading to kind of the publication of the article three years running, we won an associated sports pre- uh, associated sports editors, um, associated press yeah, sports yeah, editors, APS, yeah, yeah, yeah. APSE investigative, uh, top five finish one year. We won it one year. We were, what like, were the three stories about? So the first one was, uh, uh, so this is interesting. I'll take a step back real quick. Um, I, I was, um, co-captain or, you know, junior officer. Sure. And so I wasn't leading. I didn't have editorial yeah. authority. Um, and so in in retrospect, there are things that I would have probably myself, had I been driving the ship, I would have probably done differently mm-hmm. um, just because where my, my sympathies lie. Um, but anyway, all that being said, um, I, the Miami story was the first one that uh, we were involved in. So the way that came down, bro, I... I told you I had all this research on agents. Yeah. So I was looking at agent firings. Okay, so there's a website that's like an inside, you know, the NFL kind of website. And they tracked firings. So I collected all of these firings. And then I put them into my own spreadsheet and basically created a way to manipulate the data to tell me, oh, this agent has been fired this many times. This agent has been fired this many times. Yeah. And so I did it. And, I, and you, if you know the game... You know what it is. Like if a dude goes into Miami and signs seven first rounders in two years and he never had signed a first rounder in his life right. or was a new agent, high likelihood there's something more to that than him just being the most effective recruiter in the world. Right, right, right. <laughs> You're right. He's probably not just the smoothest. Talker, He's probably sure. just not the best sales, right? There's probably something more going on. Yeah. So then you just, you're like, okay, that's interesting. Um, which is another example of why this data matters and why you can draw out insights if somebody cared enough to, to do it. Um, and so I'd identified this agent who had done just that. He signed a bunch of players out of nowhere Yeah. and they fired him. Okay, well, now you really know something's going on because if he was the most effective recruiter in the world and he was the most effective like relationship builder in the world, then cats are not firing him yeah. like that. But if something else led to them signing with that agent, uh, then it is more likely, and we're talking in broad generalities here as opposed to this particular situation, right? Just to yeah. make sure I'm being very careful. Of course, of course. Um, then, then it yeah, is... You're good at tiptoeing. I would be, <laughs> I would be blatant. I'd be saying people's names. Uh, yeah, well, when, you're, when your career you know, uh, relies on you not, not uh, getting it wrong, you got to be yeah, careful. Yeah, I gave up journalism. Yeah, man. It's, we're, we're in a weird... There's so many people out there that are investigating. And, yeah. And 
It's scary, bro. It is. It's really intense. I'll tell you why I think it's important, though, in a second. Oh, now let me say this. And I want to say this to the homies. Journalism is the reason there's a school in Glen Mills where they were beating kids for decades and they just closed the doors. Yeah. Like, the value of journalism is insane. Like Your ability to, like, save these kids' lives and stuff. I have moved myself more into entertainment. Yes. Just because I see the work that it takes, the grind that it requires, and I know that I'm not going to be fair. Like, I I can just be honest with myself. Yep. But what you guys are doing is invaluable and necessary. Well, thank you. And, yeah, man, I mean, what I would say is in that instance, what I I saw, where I was sitting, the information I saw, I said, okay, here's this agent who was clearly doing something uh, to get these kids in the door. I knew what those some things generally were in the industry, and then he was getting fired quickly. I wonder who he ran his business with. So I went on Sunbiz, which was Florida's state registration uh, website, you know, the law background kind of helped with this stuff, pulled up the business formation docs, and this dude was – uh, this particular agent had started a business with Nevin Shapiro. Mm. They had a sports agency together. Right. Well, the reason I knew about Nevin Shapiro, the way this all came to be, is I read an article, I think it was in like the Miami Herald. Nevin Shapiro says, you know, he was paying players for years and blah, 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 blah. And so I'm like, and he ran a sports agency. I'm like, really? That's interesting. So that's that's what it was, bro. Like I knew who this agent was, how the firing patterns looked. Yeah. And I just went and I was like, wait, they have a business together. So I passed that off to Charles. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, at that point, I was a contractor, I think, or not, or I can't even remember what my status was, but I wasn't like a fully fledged member of the team. Right. So he was like, this looks really compelling. Thank you, bro. I got it from here. Yeah. And that was that. So, you know, yeah. I, I helped with I remember like, the Nevin Shapiro story. That shit was yeah. wild. And again, I didn't, I didn't write a line in that story. Yeah. So it's, it's like... What I would have focused on and what Charles focused on are probably a little bit different, but he he's a fantastic journalist, yeah. uh, very rigorous, and you know he's he's amazing at what he does. But uh, but again, we're all different human beings, right? So it's like just the way we approach the way we approached the way we reported, a little bit different. Sure. Um, so anyway, that story ended up becoming what that story was. So the next story I worked on was with Adrian Wojnarowski. Mm. And it was this uh, thing where basically, you know, Charles had kind of told the guys internally, hey, man, this guy's really good with research. And like, you know, he not, doesn't have a traditional journalism background, never right. took a journalism class, never took a, I, you know. I was yeah, it's a, good to have the outside perspective. Yeah. So uh, Woj was like, hey, um, I got this story on Billy Hunter at the NBPA. Mm. Um, do you want to work on this with me? You know, I need some help, research, whatever. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm a year and a half in or something. And now you're getting accepted. I'm working with Woj, right? Like, I'm like, okay, what's the story? Oh, I think there's nepotism at the MEPA. Um, You know, Billy Hunter has, I believe, uh, a number of relationships that call into question whether there's nepotism there. And maybe it could be inappropriate because he's supposed to be an effective steward of the player's money, right? Right. Players pay him, et cetera. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, let's, let's look into it. So I did an absurd amount of research on that. Pulling documents, legal documents, filings, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you can go back and you can read the article now and we know how, how it ended up. It, there was just, bro, it was all right there. Like, it, yeah. was, it was there. And then Woj, because he's so well-sourced, you know, he really handled kind of that element of it. He did right. the human sourcing and I did kind of the doc sourcing for the most part. Um, while every sport screws over its players. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So that, that was two, right? So I went from 
not even being like it was by Charles Robinson. I was on the contributor line and had nothing to do with writing it. Then this thing with Woj, it was by Woj, and I'm on the byline. It's me. Right. This is the next year, and um, and I felt good about it because it's like. At the very least, I'm not saying this is no indictment on Billy Hunter or or anyone else in his orbit or, or family. It was just to say that if you are the if you are the president of the players' association, this is the players' money that pays you and the players' money that you're a steward of. Then there should be some. Uh, I think there should be radical transparency, like make sure the players know where their money is yes. going, why it's going there, et cetera. Right. And so that was it. We just wanted to lay out the truth and, and let the truth kind of be out there. So that was that. And then the following year. Um, we uh, won something. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know if we did that year. We did another story on Alabama that I, I was first on the byline. Gotcha. Prior to that, there was another story that I won't discuss. It. Like basically, I helped out on you know yeah. official capacity. Yeah. So anyway, um, that was that, bro. And then here's what happened. <laughs> I went in to talk to my bosses uh, at Yahoo, and they were like, "Hey, um, we want you to start breaking NFL news." And I was like, "I mean, I've been doing investigative reporting for three years, like." There are a lot of people in the representation world that don't like me, you know, yeah. like that are afraid of me because yeah, you've been going after. Them. Right. And I was like, I, I just don't I don't know, man. Like and I don't know if I want to shift gears. Like, right. I feel like I'm doing work that matters. I'm trying to help these players take back the power and like and, and learn more about how shady these worlds are and, you know, all these different things. And um you know, long story short, uh, they were like, "Listen, it's more valuable for us for you to be breaking NFL news. You're gonna break news, bro. Yeah, or else." And yeah. I was like, "Okay, I guess I'm breaking news now, yeah. like, because I need this job." I walked into that meeting with a letter of resignation. I had a letter of resignation. I was hot Man. for a number of reasons. Sure, we were sure, sure. battling over compensation, all kinds of stuff, and I was just like, "You know, this is ridiculous. Like, I've been killing it for you guys." Yeah, and. Yeah, there was a time I remember the Yahoo investigations. Like when one came out, we just assumed it was true. Bro, it was it was crazy. And look, three years running. This is not to say I worked with legends. Yeah, you know what I mean. Jeff Passan, Adrian Wojnarowski, Dan Wetzel, Charles Robinson. Like these dudes are as far as journalism goes. Yeah, creme de la creme for real. Um, and I was a, a nobody in the journalism world, but I had a unique skill set. And so three years running, three APSE awards. I was the only one on all of them. Right. So I'm like, I come from a world where it's like, if you perform, you get compensated. Sure. I was like, okay, I've been killing it. I started at 27. Like, what's good? Can I get, can I get what, you know, I know what everyone else is making. Right. For sure. Can I get paid? And they were like, yeah, no. Why? Yeah. Well, you know, we we just don't know. I don't know. You had to probably build your name more. What? Yeah. And what does that even mean? Adam? like, what does that mean? Well, now, now it's more like now it's more cognizant. I think when I can look and it's we all have our brands, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's when you say like the Woj bomb or we, for you, sure, you know what people stand for. And it's the amazing thing of what you do is is early on you do all the backfiller, which is the meat. Yeah, you are the substance. Yeah, but they they need that picture in the circle with yeah. your name next. Yeah, to it. you know, no I mean? doubt, no doubt. So yeah. Th- anyway, that was that. So so. Uh, that's how I got into breaking news. Okay, so now right. I'm at Yahoo and I'm doing breaking news. What was your first big news break? <sighs> that they were like, "Man, Rand's going to kill this." <laughs> Bro, I remember this story so well. So I get a call uh, on Marshawn. All right, so I get a call from a source, and he says, uh, "Yo, this is back when Marshawn was uh, uh, kind of in a standoff with the Seahawks." He says, "Yo, uh, Marshawn is in Seattle. He's agreed to a deal. It's going to pay between I think he said eleven and twelve per year." But he's got to meet with Paul Allen first. But he's there. 
Yeah. And he told me how he knew he was there. So I was like, official. So I reported it. Before I reported it, though, I had called... Uh, oh, no, that's wrong. I did not report it. I called someone in Marshawn's camp. Right. Name him. Um, I'd like to, but I won't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, yo, uh, got a tip. Mar- I'd help this guy a lot. Sure. So you you expect, you know, at some point this is going to be good. So I call him. Hey, uh, quick question. I heard that Marshawn is, is up there. He's about to sign. I want to report this. I just wanted to run it by you real quick. Any reason for me not to report this? It's not true. He's not there. Sure, my I got a good source on this. He's not there, bro. And Marshawn's camp is so protective of Marshawn. Yeah, like they hear like breaking news and they're like, "We don't want to be a part of that." Right. Which which is look, don't respond. Uh, so I got I got the facts wrong. I didn't call him. I texted him. Okay. I remember. I still got the text. So so don't respond, right? Or yeah. or say can't comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or anything. But yeah. this dude just straight up lied. And this is somebody I'd been supposedly, you know, building with whatever. So, you know, five minutes later, Schefter breaks it. Marshawn Lynch is up in Seattle. You know, he's right, got to, he's right. going to sign with Paul Allen or he's got to have a meeting with Paul Allen before he signs. The deal's done. Right. Bro, I lost my mind. Because yeah. I'm out there like trying to make it happen. You know, they won't compensate me for the investigative stuff. I know these other dudes are making way more money than right. me. Like, I think I deserve it too. Uh, but all good. I'm, I'm going to do it in this world. And at the time, I like, it made sense to me. Like, oh, wait, these dudes breaking news are making real bread yes for real (laughs) like seven figures real bread like i want to be the best at that now you know because i'd always been about empowering players and so the investigative stuff i thought was important to shine light on the darkness um but the breaking news stuff was more of like a constant dopamine hit right every day you break some people like oh this is great look at this news retweets are going crazy yeah whatever so that was the first thing that i remember but i had written like a pre-article on it so i was in there right away on marshawn lynch news which out of nowhere and people were like aren't you an investigative reporter like what are you doing right so i was at so bro then i started like breaking like consistent amount of news and she has a unique look on it because i like i just sit there all day going crazy bro like is it just tech because we we're seeing now the glazers and the shefters and these guys opening up about what that life is like yeah and they talk about it's they're obsessed with it yes but they bemoan it and they're and they talk about how it's soul crushing and they they can't i mean your eyes are lighting up right (laughs) now like every every minute of your day i'll tell you i'll tell you this i this is before you got to nfl network this is before i got to nfl network every minute of every single day. I mean, Jay could fill you in better than I could, but like wake up in cold sweats. You know, you, you sleep with your phone. I'm not kidding you, bro. I used to sleep with my phone. Okay, so the, the question is, how am I going to beat Glazer? Right. How am I going to beat Schefter? These dudes have been at it for 20, 25 years and are masters of their craft. They're really- they have all the owners. Bro. It's not just the players. What? It's the owners, the coaches. They st- And they started with these dudes, right? So every- I always say every year you go to Indianapolis uh, for the combine, that's NFL spring break. Mm. Right? So sure. cats are out there having a great time. Like, you know, you, you meet a young um, – a quality control guy with a team or you meet a young, you know, uh, area scout or whatever. And you guys start building. And then 25 years later, he's a GM or a head coach and you're good and you're good. That was your guy. You guys right. were having beer in Indy, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. So, so it's like, how am I going to beat these guys? So I understood what that was. Basically what I had to do is I had to map out the space. Okay. Who has access to the most amount of information that I can add the most of amount of value 
mm. to their lives. Okay, no one will ever tell you about this insider stuff yeah. this clearly, but I'm going to keep it yeah. 100% funky. I appreciate Because <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, you know, it, it's really not that hard uh, at the end of the day. I didn't think it was. Yeah. It was you needed, to, you needed to treat people well. You needed to be very, very honest. You needed to be prepared to be screwed over by multiple people multiple times and keep on going. Man. You had to be willing to be told no or ignored or treated like you don't matter consistently. Mm. Um, but I think most importantly is you had to choose a side. Really? Yes. And what are the sides? <laughs> and, and insiders will not address this, okay? So to your point. Because I've always said there's the player side and then there's the, the organization side. Period. And is that it? That's simple. Like I, I said this before. I said Josina right now is the player's yes. reporter. And Schefter is like the owner's reporter. And I would even say Glazer is more of like a coaching reporter. Like I feel like Schefter is like so imbued with the league. But those guys are definitely more the official. And Glazer, I think, sometimes can go player two. But Josina feels like the player reporter. She right is. And, yeah. she, and she's killing it with it. And people take exception with it. And, and this is something that's real fascinating, too. What I would say about Schefter is, and I'll be clear on it, he has always been really good to me um, and I have found him to be both in you know I'm competing with these guys I'm trying to figure out a way to beat Schefter right? but there's respect too there's respect and I'm trying to I want to beat Schefter because you, you know? know his grind 100% must bro. be insane it's insane you both wake up holding your phone for and sure like, and yeah. we'd communicated a, a bunch right and and uh, over time and so I, I had a tremendous amount of respect for him what I would say about Schefter is I think he does the best job out of any insider of towing the line like Yes, he's got deep league and uh, and front office connections and coaching connections. He's got connections everywhere. Everywhere. But that being said, I've never found Schefter to be um, like heavily slanted to one side or the other. Gotcha. Okay. On the other hand, uh, Rappaport right. was somebody who I worked with. Yeah. And we, you know, I, I always had kind of issues. I, I always had issues. Okay. With the way he reported. Okay, so here's where it came from. Sure. I've now told you my background, so, so you'll understand why this was the case. Okay, if it's a 50-50, we got a coin. We're going to flip it. And it's coming down either for the player or the organization in the case of, let's say, Von Miller. Sure. There's going to be uh, you know, a million-dollar difference between what he gets and what the team is able to keep. Then I'm going to report the news in a way that is objective – that is accurate. I'm a lawyer, so yeah. I know how to work with words, but that is going to be, if it is slanted in any direction, more beneficial to the player than the team. How would you do that? Let's okay, so I'm going to give you an example with the, with the Von Miller situation exactly. It was really fascinating. So I was at the Combine, okay? Um, and I'm reporting for the NFL Network the first time. I'm doing stand-ups, which I was horrible at. I hated like really. Oh, bro, I was horrible at it. I'm so good at bullshitting oh, for those things. I was terrible at stand-ups. Bro. That's that's because you didn't do the tra the traditional upbringing uh, through journalism. I can do this yes. all day, but as soon as yes. I stare into the black hole, bro, I'm like, it is. It's bad. I will explain. Like I say this to like young journalists all the time. Like you need to hate the the dot. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a dot that. Um, like, I remember I, I would eventually look at it and go, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, Where I was like, <laughs> you have nothing. Like, you're nothing. Like, it's not about thinking about the people. It's just like that right there. Yeah. You're nothing. Yeah, and yeah. It, it takes time. Yeah. Like, it's just reps on it. Well, this is why you're a pro and, and I was an amateur. Yeah, um, but like, you understand law and I can like speak about <laughs> NCAA tournament shit. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> My shit's meaningless. You don't give yourself enough credit, but... Um, but anyway, um, so you're at the combine. So I'm at the combine. I'm getting ready to report, right? Okay, so John Elway walks up on the on the podium, 
He's in the room with all the reporters. Yeah. I'm right outside the room getting ready for my stand-up. I had I had information. I can't identify exactly what, I, but I had like I had it. Yes. Physically, I could see it. I could read it. And this is gonna be what Von Miller's contract. What's going on in the contract situation? Okay, so Elway goes up to the podium. Okay, what happens is the team consistently um, tries to float information behind the scenes and through their through their reporters yes. that are friendly with them that is beneficial to them. Okay, now the purposes of this information, and we're not talking about Elway and the Broncos, but just generally general front office generally is to. Uh, sway public opinion to put pressure on the player mm. because they know that they're emotional and invested, right? And they do, and the team does this 10, 15, 20 times a year. Mm. This is the player's first time and there's so much at stake, right? Right? Because it's their life. It's their life, right? How do I take care of my family? I've been fighting my whole life for this. I'm risking, you know, at this point, CTE, paralysis, right? Like all the things that we see that these players, sure. right? So it's, it's a very real thing. And their window's small as it is. Right. And for the teams, it's more like, this is business, another transaction. So he wants he wants a million, and we want to pay him seven fifty. How do we get to seven fifty? Okay, float information that he's a he's a you know a diva. Mm. Float information that he's uh, you know a locker room cancer, right? All the things we hear. Float information that um, you know he doesn't know the playbook, or he's, right? So we hear yeah. all this stuff every time. What would you when when we're seeing stories come out about a player's character? What percentage of the time do you think it's coming from the team itself? Huge percentage. Really? Yeah, someone on the team. Someone on the team. You know, I'm not saying it's coming from the front office all the time, but you can identify. Just watch. Like, bro, watch these reporters. It's not sure. hard. You can tell who their sources are. Of course. It's simple. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, um, you know, at the end, I'm not saying, like, exactly necessarily, but you're like, oh, that's a team side source. Oh, that's an agent. Right. Oh, that's a marketing guy. Right. right? So, uh, so anyway, Elway walks up, and he says, uh, yeah, something to the effect of, I think, we've exchanged – proposals that was not true it was factually inaccurate there was a proposal sent to them right and they had not sent one back they're stalling this guy out right in the midst of a negotiation right because that guy's but getting... they're telling the public that we're engaging we're talking we're engaging. it's fine yeah we're going back and forth and so we're trying Vaughn's to make this gonna get be done. at home going i'm not fine at all You're correct not answering my email correct correct so this is the this is the and, and but can't say that right right and the teams are chess players bro so that, so, that, so this you know he stands up there he's polished he's a, a football hero and he's saying yeah you know we're exchanging so everyone's like oh that's what he's doing all right my stand-up was next so he he's walking down the podium and then i go live and i'm like you know i don't know if i addressed it head on but i was like i'm told that there has been no exchange of proposals that a proposal was sent to the Broncos, but they've not yet responded. So right. I'm directly contradicting Elway. What we just heard. Bro, yeah. I had an email in my inbox so fast from my boss at the time. Like, I, <laughs> he was hot, bro. Like, yeah. you can't contradict, you know, whatever he was, GM of the team. Like, yeah. And I'm like, but it's the truth. I got the documents, bro. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what do you mean? You know, and now I'm saying anonymous source because I couldn't identify who my source was. Is it tough being at the NFL Network because they are the league? Bro, it's state TV. Right. It's state TV. Yeah, but they don't sell it like that. It's it's state TV. Now, now let me qualify, okay? Because I know that this, I, I know where this could go. Okay. There are a lot of tremendous, of course, reporters. Yes. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Steve Weish. Um, I really like Bucky Brooks. He was always phenomenal to me. MJD is yeah. dope, right? So there are people. Oh over no, there. all the guys that work there. But like you know, systematic things are created for systems. It's state TV. Like, and, and I'll give you an example because it, it's it's again, it is not that difficult. Right. How did Rappaport end up where he's at? Because, bro, he gets information spoon-fed to him because he will report what the 
with the teams yes. want him to report. Right. Okay, well, what do they want him to report? They want him to report stuff that harms players. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I Can I be honest with you? Please. I had heard that you were being told to give him stuff and that they were trying <laughs> to build him up as the lead NFL reporter. Bro, my experience over there, and this is something that you know I've never spoken about, but I lasted 14 months. All right, I got out, you know, as quickly as I could. It was kind of similar to the law thing. I just knew it wasn't right. for me. And the reason was but you because, broke a lot of shit in a short amount of time. Thank you, bro. I mean, I, I worked really hard at it. Yeah. And uh, I'd, I'd kind of, I felt like I'd cracked the code. I knew, I knew how to, I knew how to do it. Yeah, there was I, a free agency period where it was like. I remember going, who the fuck's this Rand guy? <laughs> because, like, there was the one free agency, and I want you to get back to NFL Network. Yeah. There was the one free agency where everybody locked and loaded their tweets for the tampering period. Yeah. And when that happened, it was like, ga, 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 ga. And I remember it was like, you had 40 of them, and, like, Schefter <laughs> had, like, 30. But it was, like, the, it was the first time we, like, had the opening tamp- open tampering period. Yeah. And I remember I was like, who the fuck is this Rand guy? I remember being in this <laughs> office and being like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I remember that's how I remember me, like, like being introduced to you for the uh, first time. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you. I mean, it, it was one of those things where, you know, I, I am, I'm, a, I'm aggressive, I'm ambitious, I, I want to be great. If I'm going to do it, I want to be great, right? Yeah. Whatever it is. Tiddlywinks. Yeah. You know, I want to be great. And so at that point, I was like, bro, and that's why you saw me breaking news on a, on a yeah. you know, trash can because it was like, bro, they didn't, I, I had no office. They would consistently, consistently, I'd break a piece of news and they would credit him for it. They'd why put, do you think that was? I know why it was. He was their guy. He was the guy that they wanted to push for because he was going to tow the team line. Mm. I was pro player. Right. It was a problem from moment one. And then he had – I was brought in by two guys who after I came in the door left. Okay? So That's tough in any job. Right. Like within like three months, right? So they signed me to a two-year deal. They're like, oh, we want you to come in here and compete with Rappaport. That's what I was hired to do. Right. Come in here and compete with Rappaport because yeah. we're not sure he's going to still be here. At the, and your guys' contracts are running concurrent, basically. Mm. So at the end of these two years, he might be on his way out, and you might be the guy. So I'm like, for sure, competition, yes. I'm with that. Like, yeah. mano y mano, let's see which one of us can make it happen. So at first, I was trying to be collaborative. And the first story was, uh, I remember, it was a Des Bryant story. So Des Bryant was in the it's midst of... It's not the videotape, is it? Nah, he was, he, was in, nah it was, he was in the midst of his contract negotiation, okay? I had great sourcing on it. Right. And so I knew what was going on. I went to my boss at the time, and I was like, yo, here's what I got. He's like, who are your sources? This is right when I got there, bro, like first couple weeks. I'm very uncomfortable because I don't share – Yeah, is that even customary to at, do? No, well, maybe, but again – Depending on how big the story is for the or, – or, or the outlet. Right. If, when we were doing investigative stuff, yeah, we had to share our sources most of the – almost all the time okay. with at least the lawyers. Gotcha. You know, before yeah, it goes cover out. their asses yeah. to, to know that they're – Who told you? You can't say right. anonymous with – like, what is it? Yeah. Um, but investigative is also based on documents, right? Whereas breaking news is really based on your relationships. Because you're trusting the person that told you this for the most part that they're not screwing you, that you're not yes. going to put something out there you can get killed for. Rapport gets killed all the time because of this. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, it was Des Bryant. I knew what was going on with this deal. And, uh, and I went to my boss. And I'm like, here's what I got. I'm going to go with it because he said I had to come to him before I could of whatever course. in the beginning. And he was like, I need you to work with Rapport on it because he's got team side sources. All right. He's talking to uh, – He's talking to somebody with the Cowboys. Right. Uh, this Hyatt. So you need to talk to him. So I said, okay. So I, I'm like, I don't want to do this, but let, this is an olive branch. I'll be Let me see. Yeah, we yeah. can. If me and him team up, we can go out there and we can beat Schefter. Yes. 
And that's the goal, right? Like the this, former NFL Network employee. Right. Let's take him down. Who they did dirty. Right. Who they did super dirty. On and his he's record. doing okay. Yeah, he's doing great. Yeah. Good for him. So, um, and didn't deserve the, the way that he was treated. So anyway, um, I basically, you know, went to Rappaport with it and then he screwed me. He reported it like basically stole the news out from under me. You really? know? Yeah. Like, like deprived me of credit. Like it was just wild because it's the first experience, right? So like there was a way, if it was Schefter. Schefter would have been, you can notice this, he does this a lot, from Josina Anderson and me. Yes. Right? He does do that a lot. Yeah, and I'd had, like, issues or with... Or from Mort and me. Yes, yeah. right? And he'll credit the other person first. And, like, and as a reporter, bro, that's all you got is your credit, right? Like, yes. and it matters when it comes time to get paid. This is why it all matters, because when I go in and be like, I need to pay, they're like, oh, you, you didn't, you're not the one that was first on the byline. And I'm like, I, you told me I could, I gave it to him. Like, yes. What's going, I'm being a good team player, I'm getting penalized. So anyway, that happened, I was like, okay... Not working with this dude anymore. Clearly a snake. Yeah. Not interested. All it takes is one time. That was it, bro. And he worked remotely. He was in Dallas and I'm in LA. So anyway, that was that. Now it's like, okay, bro, now I'm going to beat your ass. Right. Every day. Like, you got to deal with me. I'm, you, there's no way you're going to beat me at this job, period. I don't care that you've been doing it longer than me. I don't care that the teams are sending you information, you know, directly because they've been told to. Right. Uh, or any of that, you I'm know. I'm going to use that against you. I'm going to, I'm going to, yes. I'll let you rely on that and I'll go every other way. Now you should go start your insider career because now you got it. Yeah. Because that's exactly what it was. I was like, yo, the way, bro. he is state TV, period. So if you have something that you want to do to, to benefit a player, that is not the outlet you should be using because I promise you, he will harm you someday mm. if he has the opportunity to do so. Okay. Now the way he would do that is, for instance, I think in the Von Miller situation, though I could be wrong, but I think in the Von Miller situation, but let's just use this as an example. Sure. He would fl- he would be the one to float. The team has offered him the largest contract in NFL history. He pretty much did that with the Le'Veon Bell story, if mm-hmm. I remember right. Mm-hmm. He was like, they offered him an eighty million dollar contract, mm-hmm. and then someone else came out later and was like, it only has seventeen guaranteed for the entire contract. But he never said that. Correct. We yeah. know what it is, bro. That's bullshit. Yeah. These NFL deals are illusory. They're not oh, real. Yeah, <laughs> that eighty million is not eighty, right? No. And it never is. And so, so anyway, um, I, I started achieving like tremendous amounts of success. As a result of that, because I basically put myself out there as I'm pro player and I'm pro agent because the agents are the one that help the players right. set up their families for life. And I'm on NFL Network, so it's ve- it's like validity. Period. Yeah. But now, again, I'm a, I'm a lawyer. Right. And you have to be objective. So people don't understand yeah, the nuance. Objective. You're great. You're great. I'm very subjective. <laughs> people don't understand the nuance here. You know, you can be uh, objective um, and accurate and still... Every reporter, don't let any reporter ever tell you, I'm completely objective. No, you're not, bro. You grew up a certain way. You experience certain things. You see the world a super way, a certain way. You vote for, you know, one party or the other. Right. And it's not just about what team you grew up rooting for. Correct. It's your upbringing and your feeling about an entire group Socioeconomic background. You know, for instance, I think Rappaport was the son of an oncologist who grew up in LI or something like that. I grew up on food stamps in foster care. All right. Different ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Right. It's grew- great Gatsby shit. Yeah, I mean, different ends of the spectrum. Yeah. So naturally, we're gonna we're gonna see the world a little bit differently. So, long story short, bro, you know, um, uh, I became very successful very quickly at breaking news because I became known as somebody that could be trusted to not uh, absolutely promote the player's agenda at all times in all cases. Because if the player's wrong, the player's wrong. Yeah. But that if there was a team saying uh, we've offered him the largest contract, then I would be the one to say, actually, it's not the largest contract. Here's how much money has been guaranteed. This is why it's not a good deal for this player. Here's what would be a good deal for this right. player. And because I had the analytical background, I would also go out and I would naturally, I'd look for like 
Von Miller, um, I, I remember I did a three-minute piece on NFL Network or something where I was like, this is why Von Miller is special. It's not just about the sacks, okay? He's coming off the edge. Teams, I talked to a bunch of team personnel. They're like, we have to game plan for Von Miller right. in a way that creates DeMarcus Ware uh, or turns him into a terror right. on the other side, right? So DeMarcus Ware may be putting up bigger stats or uh, equal stats, but we're chipping Von every time he comes around the edge right. with a tight end because you have to – Game plan for him. And that means DeMarcus has one on one. DeMarcus is going to eat, right? Yeah. So that's unquantifiable value, right? Vaughn is making DeMarcus better. Yeah, not even PFF's going to chart that. Right. So you had to, like, it, it, so it was this combination of, like, PFF analytical data, right? And then, like, stats, this many sacks, this many pressures, et cetera. And then also human sources. So I felt like, bro, I felt like I was in the Matrix. Like, I'd, like, you know, I, I figured it you out. Achieved one. I cracked the code, bro. Yeah. I, was, I was ready. So that, that free agency period, yeah, I crushed it. Yeah. Like cr- crushed it. And that's because, and, and I don't say that to be like a pompous jerk. I say it because I did. I busted my ass yeah. every day. I earned that. You know, I treated people well. I, I told the truth. You know, I fought for it. And so at the end of that free agency period, uh, the, the dude that runs, um, you know, the NFL operations over at ESPN, who I'd kind of been talking to behind the scenes because I thought that that was my exit strategy. Gotcha. Was like, yo, I chart this stuff. Yes, um, they do. And they have like the competitions. And yeah. All that. And I finished second that year. Wow. Schefter was first. I was second. What year was that? 2016, 17. Yeah. Something like that. Um, And yeah, man, I finished second, bro. Like ahead of, you know, Rappaport, ahead of Garofolo, who who I also like. Garofolo's a good dude. Um, I've never met him, but I've only heard good things. Yeah, I like Garofolo. Um, I know him very well, but but I like him. Anyway, yeah, it was this very fascinating thing, right? Where like, I was like, oh shit, this is crazy. Like, I just did this. Okay, but... The whole time, they're taking my breaks, and they're crediting him on the ticker. Ian Rappaport says, Casey Hayward signs for X amount of dollars. And I'm like, no, he, I, the, bro, the tweets are right there. Yeah. 1234, me. 1236, him. Like, how is it not, at the very least, make it a co-break? You know, according to this guy in Rappaport, you know, right. happened. it wasn't happening, bro. And, I, like, of course, I was a former investigative reporter, so I'm taking screenshots of everything. I'm right. keeping track of it. I got proof of it. But like you said, that's your value proposition. That's yeah. that's what allows you to continue your own career. Yeah, is, is those. Yeah. yeah. And meanwhile, you know, of course, I'm like, okay, great. This this guy that I that I'd like to work for over at ESPN said that I finished second. This is this is awesome. So anyway, that was that. Okay, but then shortly thereafter, and I was making these issues known internally. Like I wasn't just sitting there like, hey, this is great. You guys are you know screwing me out of credit consistently. Yeah. Like I know what's happening. They they put him on TV to discuss my breaks. Like right. I never cared about TV. But I understood that that was, to your point earlier, right? You got to build your brand, exactly. In order, and I'm like, at least when I when I get a win, you guys are you guys are. I never got news from the league, <laughs> never. Yeah, right. This dude was getting news from the league, crazy. So if it's in free agency, that news is driven in in many many ways by the people who help to represent the players. Right. So that's why I crush that. Okay. Right. When it's like trades. The team knows that first. Of course. So that's why you'd see other reporters, Rappaport included, do very well there. When it's coaches, there are a couple coaching uh, agents who have the vast majority of the coaches. Yes. And I hadn't built those inroads he had, so he would kill there. So, like, they were like, I could pick my spots. But free agency is the big stage. Yes. So I was like, okay, I'm going to aim for the biggest stage, and I'm going to kill that. Yeah. So that was that. So shortly thereafter – Basically, you know, this this boss of mine kept doing crazy things. So one thing, I'll give you an example, another way that's kind of nefarious, I think, um, though I don't think everyone means it this way. But when I would report news, I would say Von Miller earned, uh, you know, whatever it was, $60 million deal, worth, you know, however many 
however much million in uh, guarantees. I get an email from the boss. Don't say they earned the deal. They didn't earn it, you know, say agreed to or this or that. But they never had a problem with somebody saying the team gave the player right. $60 million. They didn't give them shit. Again, they're risking CTA, CTE paralysis, right? Like all these right. things. Like they're not giving them anything. They've been fighting yeah. their whole lives for this. So, and it could seem like an innocent word choice. Right. But, but it's per- over time. Yes. You're projecting a certain kind of notion. Yes. Like I said, it's kind of nefarious. Uh, again, I, I don't think that the people that say earn versus give or whatever, I don't think of they're course. necessarily doing it on purpose, okay? But I was very purposeful. I would say earned because I believe they did. So I wrote back, I remember I wrote back my boss. You know, I wish you would stop nitpicking me on things that are of particular value to me, given all of the roadblocks that you guys have put in my way uh, or you have put in my way, um, because uh, this is something that is part of what makes me good at my job. And ultimately, it's good for you. I'm, I'm helping you guys yeah. beat ESPN, which is the job. That's the job, right? Like, take a step yeah. back. That's the job. We need to beat it's ESPN. It's a numbers game. It's a zero-sum right? game. 100%. So, you know, I was just like, I was like, and you're wrong, by the way. He did earn it. Because it's a it's a calculation by the team in the market of what that player's value is based on his past production right. and a projection of what he's going to be worth to the team moving forward. But at that moment in time, he has earned that deal. Whether you agree with that or not is irrelevant. Whether he right. continues to perform at that clip in the future or not is irrelevant. At that moment in time, he earned the deal. Period. Bro, they obviously did not like that, and I knew that I was not for long No, the there. way you're talking to your boss, I would, did not think you were going to last. It was not long there. No. It was not for long there. No. And, you know— the, the, That's a bold email, bro. <laughs> That's a bold email. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it, I have a very low bullshit quota. Like, yeah. I just—you know, if it's wrong, it's wrong. Yeah. And if it's right, it's right. And, and he was wrong. You know, not only wrong in terms of the way that he was analyzing the use of the word, sure. but he was also wrong insofar as he was perfectly willing to continue to perpetuate something that harmed players, even if it's in a very small way, right? It's right. He, he added it all up. But, you know, to me, again, it's nefarious because at the end of the day, if a player gets a million dollars less, that can be a big, big, big deal for him in the sure. long run. But for the teams, nothing. Stan Kroenke's not tripping if you, you, I mean, no. it's fine. He could misplace a million dollars in his loafer and he's fine. He's fine. Yeah. So yeah, man, that, that was that. And then, uh, you know, shortly thereafter, I don't have to get into too many more details. I was like, we, we had a, uh, a frank conversation. I was like, listen, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go. Uh, I got 10 months left on my deal. Um, you know, let's discuss how we can handle this. I can either sit here for the next 10 months and right. we can keep doing this, but we all know it's not working. Right. Or, you know. Essentially, you guys can cut me a check and I'll go. Yeah. So after some back and forth, uh, they were like, all right, we're going to cut you a check. So I was like, great. I got 10 months of runway. Right. Um, I was considering coming to work here. Really? Yeah. Um, uh, I was real high on Bleacher. I thought Bleacher was like, you know, on an uptick. I loved it culturally. I thought I sure. fit better over here yeah. than I fit there. And I had talked to Bleacher before I chose to go to NFL Network. So I was this close to signing with Bleacher. Report. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. And uh, it just didn't, at the time, it was like, you know, NFL Network is the next step to ESPN. A hundred percent. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go to NFL Network. But it was it was like literally like very close. Um, so then after that, you know, I was talking to Bleacher Report, and I'm still talking to ESPN. And ESPN was like, hey, we love you, but there's a headcount issue. So this is like September. I left the NFL first week of uh, the 2016 season or 17 season. And they were like, there's a headcount issue, though. And I just finished second in their – yeah. Right? So if you're a salesman, you sell 100 widgets, you get paid 10% on those 100 widgets. Right. You, know, you sell 99 widgets, you get paid on those 99. If you sell 80, you get right. So I'm like, okay, well, wait, I'm second. I sold more widgets than yeah. this guy who's making uh, 400. 
right? Yeah. I sold more widgets than this guy who's making a million. Right. So I got to fall like somewhere in between what Schefter's making. I'm not going to dig in his pockets. And, you know, yeah. I, and I actually don't know 100%, but I knew I, I had a good idea. Yeah, sure. And I'm like, bro, I'm like significantly underpaid at this point. Like, <laughs> I'm ready to get paid. I've yeah. performed. Same thing. Yeah, no. All right. Uh, this is not something that makes any sense to me, but okay. So what happened is ESPN says headcount issue. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm, I just killed it. Like yeah. why, if you're a free agent in basketball or football or someone's going to pick you up right? or sales or anything. Right. So I, I don't idle well, as you can imagine. And, um, and no, so I can tell. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> so she and I started talking and I'm like, you know what? Like, Let's just tell stories. Let's tell, let's tell stories the way we want to tell the stories. I'm sick of getting emails from my boss telling me I can't say this or I can't say that. Like, I just want to help these players get the most out of their lives. Like, they deserve that, right? And, and again, I'm not saying players are, are, are uh, universally the best human beings or blameless. Yeah, or, or without mistake. Or without yeah. mistake, right? Like, there's, there's, it's humanity. We yes. all, but, but at the same time, you know, they have a chance to be beacons of light for so many others, and they have a multiplying effect. If they succeed and they do well, and they set a good example, that can impact tens of thousands, if not millions, of young men and women uh, all around the world, and that is powerful. Sure. So I wanted to empower them to do better. So she was like, she was like, that sounds good. You know, what are you thinking? So I was like, I'm going to go out and sell a series. And I was like, we're going to start a production company. She was like, great, let's do it. Right? She's crazier than me because that's <laughs> crazy. Like, wait a second. You were making this much money. And I yeah. was, though I was underpaid, I was not, not making money. Right, right, um, right. And, uh, and, and I was like, look, just, just for now, while we wait on ESPN, uh, they said, you know, we can talk again at the end of the, the season. Let's try and do this. So right away, we ended up uh, selling a, a big series, um, and it was it was you know at a price point that I was like, wait, I, I just sold a series that allows me to make the vast majority of what I was making before. Wow! And I don't have to answer no. to suits anymore, right? right? Like I'm working with. People. Have we seen this series? No, no, one, I don't think we'll see. Maybe okay. five, six years from now, people will. I can't really get into that too much. Okay. Like it didn't, it didn't end up coming out. Um, but it was our first foray into production. It was wild. We were traveling all over the world. We were filming, um, young high profile guys. And, uh, during this really coming, coming of age story, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And like we really enjoyed it. Cool man. experience. It was awesome. And, um, but long story short, um, at that point, I'm still thinking initially, like I'm going to go to work at ESPN. But once we got this thing, I was like, wait, I'm probably not going back to work because we can just do this. And, right. and now I'm not going to be compensated based on what somebody thinks of me. I'm going to be compensated on what I do, what we do, how many, how many people are willing to pay us to continue doing what we do, right. you know, et cetera. And so, uh, and so that was that bro. Like, and, and then we found out later ESPN laid off all those people after this. Oh. So they were not BSing me. It was yes, that they yes, were getting yes. ready to lay off 200 plus people or whatever. Right. So they did have kind of a freeze and they weren't expanding necessarily aggressively or whatever. They so, went through their downturn and yep. all that. So that was that, man. I mean, that's how we ended up in the storytelling space. And then from there, you know, as you mentioned, we went on to do this piece with Zion, who's a phenomenal young man, phenomenal family, um, obviously phenomenally talented, but like we really wanted to focus on how good a kid he was, right? you know, how good his folks were, right. how cool his little brother Noah was, you know, and just, we wanted to, again, yeah, aspects that really weren't publicized. hundred percent. We Not know just him doing dunks and all that stuff. We know he's a freak athlete. Like I thought what was great about the Jalen story is, is Jalen is 
year in and year out, it's, hey, Jalen, here's a list of people. Shit on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was like his character, his willingness to that bravado. Uh, but to kind of see him there with his family and the yeah. training and realize – Dudes in a garage. Yeah. Dudes in his driveway. Yeah. Dudes in a field. This yeah. isn't like some multi-million dollar like workout facility. This he's not banging heads with other top NFL players. It's just right. him and his pops. Yeah. Um. What What did you learn about Jalen in that process? Man, he's such a good kid. Um. Sorry, good young man. He's yeah. not a kid anymore. He's a young man. But um, he's just a good dude. And and his dad is phenomenal. And you know, it was this intimacy. We're in Smyrna, Tennessee. It's a small little suburb outside of Nashville. And his father was a, a fireman. His brother, uh, Jamal, is a fireman as well, following his dad's footsteps, was also a, an athlete. And yeah. He played in college. And then his brother has, um, you know, his son. And they all are working out together in the garage. You know, this dude was an all-pro. Yeah. And he's he's the, at the time, like the hottest young defensive player in the league. Easily. Right? And, um, and you know, you, what you learn about him real quickly is he didn't get to where he was uh, because he's a talker, um, he talks because he's put in the work. Yes, he's earned the right to go out there, and if that's a part of his persona, and he always—I think there was a story that they told us where he, he always thought he wanted to be in the WWE. Really? Right? He wanted to be this guy He'd that, like, yeah, and, and so that's part of it. That's part of his like. That's sure. how he gets himself hyped up. I'm going to tell you you can't beat me, and then you're going to go try and beat me because I just told you you can't beat me. I can't let that happen. Right. And I've got the physical skill to back it up. And oh, by the way. No one's outworking me. Yes. You know, period. And, you know, there was this, it's very endearing because here he is with his father and his brother and, um, and his nephew and, and he's, and he's, he's a, he's a man of the people, right? Like he's not too big for that. And he's recruiting other athletes to come yeah. out. Gus Bradley came out and, and visited him. So that was that. And, and to your point, like, yeah, we covered in the piece like that he talks trash, but we all know that. So it's like you touch it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I talk trash. Here's why I talk trash. But then what we wanted people to see is him playing with his nieces, right, in the house. How much he loves his mother, how much he loves his father, how much they love him. Yeah. You know, how they've all, every single one of them invested in his success. Sure. Right. And so that was so important to us. Uh, to do and you know it was one of those things where I remember you did that whole thread about you know uh, athletes doing good yeah and I appreciated that man because like it was right after there was like these arrests and there yeah. was all these stories and there's that one part of the off season where man we love to make NFL players seem like pieces of shit right they're all collectively this like masked marauder that just does bad right. things right and it's all I really did is I just typed in every team name and I wrote the word charity afterwards yeah and it's incredible how many stories pop up. Yeah. But the problem is, is we're not interested when the team drops off turkeys right. or goes to the homeless shelter. Right. We go, oh, that's a local news story. Yeah. That's in the D block. Yeah. You know, that, that's right before sports. It's the good, but nobody really cares. Right. But it's the collective. Right. Where you go, oh my God, what yeah. have I been doing? Yeah. And you don't realize, okay, these are guys and so much are on these plates and so many people are coming to them, but they still have the time to do these amazing things. Right. But, you know, we'd rather hear about the crazy stuff. Right. We'd rather hear about the bad stuff. Yeah. That stuff sells newspapers. Mm -hmm. But when you can see it in one stream of consciousness and it's overwhelming, like, I'm sure that somebody went through, like, 20 of them and was like, we get it. Yeah. All right? We understand what these guys do. I don't think you do. Here's 20 more. Yeah. Because they need to know. Yeah. Because you just get annoyed by it. Because every time I sit with an athlete, I can't talk bad about them. Like, right. I have a really hard time. Yeah. Because they're such good people. 
and and you realize where it's either the pressure that's pulling them that way or it's one moment where they had one bad thing and yet we get to judge them for that one moment the rest of their lives. Yeah, it's absurd. But everybody else gets second chances. Right. But for them, oh, you're the guy that, that uh, hit that person. Yeah. Like, bro, have you never in your life swung if on I, somebody? If I had a camera on me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got into a fight with a, a co-worker when I was a reporter in Nebraska. Right. Dude, dude took a phone and threw it at a girl. And I tackled him on a bar stool. And it was one of those things where, like, I'm in a bar and I have him pinned against the wall. And I'm, saliva's coming out, whatever. And it was one of those things where I'm in my apartment later and I'm going, if anyone fucking had a camera on me, I'm fired. It'd be a wrap. I'm done. Yeah. But luckily, cell phones weren't that big back in 20, oh, 2009. And I was okay. But, like, we've all had moments. If you've lived life, you've had moments yeah. that you're glad people didn't capture. Yeah. I've been on stage freestyling at 4 o'clock when a bar is closing, and I said some shit I probably shouldn't have said. <laughs> but I'm okay saying it now yeah. because I want to own, own my truth. But yeah. we don't let these athletes own their truth a lot. Right, right. We, yeah. we, we, we want them to fit into where they're supposed to be. You know, I'm not a role model by Chuck. You have to sometimes stake your claim. Yeah. To get away with things, but I just wish it wasn't like that at all. Yeah. Well, this is why you're going to keep winning, bro. And and you know you're young, uh, your star is on the rise. You know, I was telling Janine on the way over here, and I'm like, I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Yeah. But I love what Lefko stands for. Thanks. You man. know, it's true, and the players are going to notice it too, man. Like as you continue to grow and and. You know, Bleacher has given you this incredible platform to be you, right? Yeah. And that's one of the things that's so dope about about this particular um, organization. You know, players are going to see that, man. And they're yeah. looking for safe spaces, right? They're looking for, for people that are going to promote them, that are going to look out for them. To what you were saying before about, like, NFL sources, uh, the interesting thing about BR is when we started, we always bemoaned not having NFL rights. Yeah. So, like, this is what people will notice. They'll hear us talk about plays, but we don't show the plays. Right. Because we're not in bed with the league. We're right. not Fox. We're not CBS. Right. We, don't, we don't pay. We're not NBC. We don't pay all this money. I look at it the opposite way. I don't have to answer to anybody. Right. I don't have the league calling and saying, you probably shouldn't say that about Robert Kraft. You probably should. I can say whatever I want. Right. And, and to me, that's freedom. Yes. And, uh, and if it's not being able to show you guys, you know, the difference between a 3-4 and a 4-3, you're just going to have to let us try and explain it a little bit more. Right. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a trade-off I'm willing to take. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And, you, and bro, you're great Do you miss it. the reporter game at all? Do you miss waking up at the phone? Do you miss the cold sweats? So, okay, so this is a really interesting question. So I'm answer it as honestly as I can. You know, as I mentioned, when you're breaking news, like during free agency that year, bro, the dopamine hits are crazy because, yes. like, you know, I remember I broke Brock Osweiler, Von Miller, Casey Hayward, Colecchio Semley, like all of the and, – and I broke Colecchio Semley was getting a guard deal that was worth like $12 million a year. Yeah. It was about $10 million, you know, at, at the open of the tampering period. Wow. You know, I worded it in a way that was like they've agreed in principle or whatever. But, yeah. like, people were like – Yo, you're you're kind of like hanging out there right now. Are you sure? And I'm like, yes. I'm like, it's done, right? And then it's right. And then Brock Osweiler uh, yeah. to the Texans, I believe. Um, yeah, for the monster deal, yeah. seventy two million. That's right, from the Broncos to the Texans. And um, and so anyway, you know, a bunch of stuff that that I was able to break. Um, uh, Jack Rabbit to the Giants. You know, all, all these different things. Sure. And your phone is just going crazy, uh, bro. Likes, loves, oh. And you get to just let it sit there. And there's a point where you look over and you're like, 
I did that. Shit. <laughs> it feels fucking great. You know what's crazy is my phone was never ever on the table because it was constantly in my hands. Really? Plugged into a charger because you can't let go. So I'm on the West Coast, okay? Schefter's up. Right. At, three hours early. Right, like four in the morning. So I was waking up at 1 a.m. Because I'm, I'm not about to sleep until, no. f- nah, I got to be up when he's up. Yeah. So I'm up at 1 a.m. on the West Coast. I'm in the office. You know, it's like the, the, the skeleton crew, you know, the, the. So you miss what? You miss the dopamine a little bit. You miss that and you miss. and you, you mi- It also gives you a drive. It gives you like a purpose. Yeah. It's like a one singular focus. That's it. Break news. Yeah. It's real simple. And you exist in that lane. Right. And thus when you're out of it, everything else is glory. But that is, that's it. There's constant, there's constant feedback, right? It's like you're constantly fighting to do great things. And then when you do something that people deem to be great, they're letting you know that it was great. Right. And you're like, damn, this is dope. Like yeah. I feel, I feel like, uh, I'm being finally, and I told you my history at Yahoo. So now you know why, like I'm right. being like, you know, push down, push down, push down. And all of a sudden it's like, I fought to get to this point where reporting is reporting is a one-on-one sport. It's blood sport, right? Like it's me and this other man in the arena. Yeah. And, He's either going to beat me or I'm going to beat him. I was competing against, in my mind, I was that year, Schefter and Rapport. Those are the two best guys. Right. You know, Garfield was a great reporter, but like yeah. the breaking news thing was, he was good at it. Sure. Um, yeah, but, like he got Odell and it was an 100%. Awesome, and that, that's a year maker for 100%. him. 100%. But the consistency of the numbers, you're not going to fuck with Schefter. Right. It's just impossible. He's the, he's the goat. And that was the thing. So like, so, so at, the end, at the end of the road, you know, you get done, you say, what do you miss? You miss that. And then you miss what I miss is being able to stay in contact with the network that I developed as consistently because I'm right. constantly checking in with them. Hey, found this out. Is this something I thought you might want to know? You know, think about this. Let me put you in touch with this person. Yeah, you know? not just, hey, man, how you doing? Right. No, you're giving information yeah. with the hope that you're going to get information back later. Right. And you develop and, and you develop real relationships, right? So one of the one of the tricks to it for me was it was never transactional. It was never quid pro quo. So I always tell young reporters, and this is true: if I if I was to teach a class on how to become you know an effective insider, bro, never show up at somebody's door asking them for something before uh, you provide them with something that is of value to them, and not asking for something in return, right? So when somebody pulls into the neighborhood, show up. Hey, provide them with the, right. Provide yes. them with the cake. Be like, hey, I wanted to bring this over for you. As Bob, my wife made it. You'll like it, and uh, and introduce myself. And over time, I hope that you come to appreciate the way that we treat you. You right. know, as neighbors. And maybe then, you know, we'll figure out a way to help each other do well in life. But for now, I just wanted to drop off this cake. I'll talk to you later. Mm. That was it. Right. It. It's super simple. Provide value to people's lives. Well, value in the insider game is information. Yeah. So I was particularly well situated to know things that I knew were valuable to the people that I was trying to develop inroads for. So I was yeah. constantly sending information their way that they valued. And over time, you develop a network of people who are like, yo, I really appreciate this. It actually is valuable to me. And I know that nothing in life is 100 percent free. So let me help you because yeah. otherwise you're going to stop helping me. And that is true. Even though there was no quid pro quo, I certainly was not about to give the information to this guy who never like, for instance, the guy that uh, screwed me over on the Marshawn story. You get no more help, bro. I'm right. not helping you with anything. Right. <laughs> you know, and now yeah. I know you're a liar, you know, so I'm, it's over. You're yeah. done with me. Yes. You know, and I'm going to focus on these other people who are good to me and I'm good to them. And then you develop these really cool, real relationships. I miss that. Um, I still talk to a lot of, a lot of my guys and girls in the space, um, but it's, but it's not as consistent. Right. And so that, you know, that's kind of a bummer because I really liked a lot of those people. Um, but, you know, all that being said, 
Uh, well, how can how can the homies, how can uh, Left Go Show crew, how can they support Park Stories? Like where, <laughs> like what can they look forward to? Like what do you think? Yeah, man, we're we're because we're always down for the players, and and it's clear that's where you stand as well. I appreciate it, bro. So you know we're at YouTube uh, slash Park Stories, so YouTube.com slash Park Stories, Vimeo.com slash Park Stories, Facebook, everything is the yeah. same thing, right? We post all of our work there. Um, the the uh, Kenny Stills piece that we did a while back yes. about him kneeling in the NFL, we felt was very important to do. It's the only piece to our knowledge that's been done so far that breaks out why um, a player that was involved in the initial protest continues to protest. That is no, that's not on the internet right now. Uh, we took it down yesterday. Yeah, I was just looking for it. Yeah, we made it private because it's gotten into a number of film festivals. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. And and they've asked that uh, you know we keep it offline until it plays at the that's film awesome. festival. So it's good for Kenny, right? Yeah. Like he deserves support, and so we're excited for him uh, to be recognized for his contributions and the things that he's fighting for, and uh, we're working on something right now on an Iraqi refugee wrestler who's got a phenomenal, phenomenal story. Sure. Uh, we think it'll be our first feature film, so we're in the That's process awesome. of, uh, of raising money for that uh, now, uh, or getting started to raise money for that, and um, you know that's something that we're really excited about. He's not a, uh, a notable athlete. Uh, but he was born in Karbala, Iraq. He lived there for four years, had great uh, memories. And then uh, the, the remainder of his kind of upbringing was really tough. He was taken to Jordan as a refugee, uh, endured all kinds of horrible things uh, there. Then he was taken to Syria, endured all kinds of horrible things there. Then came to the States at 15 years old, didn't speak the language. Uh, couldn't read the language, literally did not know his ABCs, Jeez. and he missed a ton of school because of all the trouble he'd had in his life. And uh, long story short, he's 24 now. He just graduated from the top honors college in the country with uh, with uh, you know near 4.0 GPA. He's wow. taking 28 credit hours while wrestling for a top 10 program. 28 credit hours. Yeah, man. Worked in Congress. Has influenced legislation related to unaccompanied refugee minors. So you know, for us, it's we we've done the the big name athlete sure. stuff in order to empower us to build a platform that allows people to see what kind of work we do of course where we come down and then that allows us to do stories about you know other folks we just think deserve shine and yeah there's sports sports like overlap but we're not just a sports storytelling shop it's just something that we think there's a lot of rich stories in that space of so, course you know, people want to go watch our stuff yeah please do you know zion in the middle of the march madness if you haven't seen that piece yet go check it out special kids special family if you haven't seen the jalen piece check it out same thing special kids special family and uh and when this drops i'm going to put the the links out there too so that it's easier for everybody to find um it's funny man because i do this thing left go pr where uh, I saw, I saw like D'Angelo. What, what really started with me is D'Angelo Russell gets traded to the Nets. Yeah, and he puts out a video at like I'm working out at three thirty in the morning, and I was like, anybody can do this. Yeah, you could just say you're working at a certain time, and yeah. the whole news cycle is like, can you believe that this guy is grinding and all that stuff? And I watch. All these athletes, this year it exploded. Yeah. This offseason, everyone has a camera crew. Everyone has like their own little production thing. And they're all showing themselves working out. Patrick Mahomes is doing this. Yeah. And Odell's got a guy. And it's it. They're, but they're all, they're all now showing the same thing. Yeah. And so this was the offseason of the explosion of workout videos. Right. Uh, and then every now and then you get mixed in like a guy pulling a truck. Yeah. Or like someone doing something like over the top. Yeah. But from like people that are actually making content and that are telling stories, yeah. you got to be looking at it and going, okay, 
we get it. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We, yeah. No, I appreciate that, I'm man. I'm just curious what the evolution's going to be of the whole thing. Yeah, I think that's, I think you're 100% right, right? Like, so one thing we say all the time is anybody can get you to 80%, right? Anybody can shoot beautiful footage and, like, everything can go out buy a red camera or an Ari and, like, yes. shoot beautiful footage. But we specialize in getting that additional 20%. And that 20% is more heavily weighted than the first 80%, right? Because what we specialize in is unlocking central truths about these players and their, and their struggle and the beauty in that struggle that allows people to fall in love with them as human beings, not as players. And take the fucking helmet off. Period, man. Yeah. Let, let people, you know, and with, let them know more than just your 40 yes. time and your bench press. Yes, it's important, bro. And, you know, and, and when it's all said and done, look, this is true. But it's hard for players. Sorry really to hard. You. It's hard because I'll, I look at their Instagrams and I see the engagement they get when they post football stuff versus the engagement they get versus personal stuff. Yeah. And all the comments are about football stuff. Yeah. And they want that dopamine too. Yes. So they they want to keep posting them with the helmet on yes. and them making a tackle because that's the stuff that gets the most likes. Right. But, Shut up and dribble. Yeah. Shut up and play football. But they're right. doing it to themselves. Right. And they don't even realize. Yeah, you're right. That you need to kind of have to build it while you're playing of you not wearing a helmet and not doing that stuff. Yeah. So that when it's done, you're not just posting throwback Thursdays. Right. But it's this weird trap they get into. Yeah, man. And it's it's hard to break because well, dopamine's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and, and oxytocin is another thing that, that we learned about. Anytime you give somebody a hug. Oh, really? It's oxytocin. So Damn. dopamine when you get that and oxytocin. So yeah. there are these chemical reactions inside of our, of our bodies that literally, you know, through human evolution have have taught us to do certain things yes. uh, because they make us feel good, right? And so you're right. But I'll share this with you. We've released four pieces. They've been self-released, no cosign, no platform push, no nothing, just us and the athletes sharing those pieces. 13 million views, 60% average watch times, half of the people, so 6.5 million people that are pressing play are making it to the end credits. So these players are getting tremendous, yeah. tremendous return yeah. from an emotional perspective, but also it helps to build their brands, you know, like 100%. people get to know them. So you know, for us, like the the thing we're most proud of is you go read our comments on YouTube. Yeah, people are like, best. this changed my life. Like I want to be a better father because Jalen and his father have such an incredible relationship. Man, Zion and his family are so incredible. It makes me want to be more like them in terms of the way that I lead my life. I want to be a better person, you know, right. inspired. I, so that kind of stuff, bro, is, is like really good. That's why I want to continue like providing the people. And uh, and yeah, man, I mean, the other thing, I guess, since uh, left PR is in full effect is, you know, players that are out there that, that want something different, that are willing to invite people into aspects of their life that allow fans uh, and those who didn't even know who they were in the first place, which is maybe more valuable, sure. um, to get to know them better and to fall in love with their story, the yes. way that people did with Jarvis, the way people did with Jalen, the way people did with Zion, the way people did with Kenny, you know, come find us. We're, we're you know, we're looking for players who have uh, broad, broad reach. Uh, we're, we're not rich people. Yeah. We spend all of our own money on these on these pieces, at least for now. Um, we do get paid to do stuff for big brands. Sure. We do a lot of brand work. Um, we've worked for... But these are passion projects. Yeah, man. I mean, we worked for, you know, Adidas, Nike, Microsoft, you know, and, and that stuff is fantastic and there's some overlap, but these things are the things that we're like, you know, we can go out and we can buy shoes, we can buy cars, we can buy this or that, or... We can invest in something that will be here long after we leave this planet that will yep. continue to add value to people's lives. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to be blessed with a, a partner, a business partner and a, and a life partner who awesome. believes in it. Yeah. It's awesome. Thank you, bro. Anything else that you definitely want to let the people out there know? Yeah. Adam Lefko <laughs> just got engaged. 
I did. I did. I did. Just got engaged. We need to send this man a shout. I'm super, super happy for you. I know this is our first time meeting in person. Yeah. But I wanted to tell you congratulations. No, I was excited to meet both of you guys because um, this is, I don't know why I'm going to go down this road, so this is for everybody. <laughs> there, I Sometimes when you meet couples, it makes me sad. Yeah. Because I go, they want it so bad, and it's just not a thing. Yeah. And you don't realize it until you have it. Yeah. And when you actually have it, it's the dopest feeling ever. And I feel bad sometimes. Yeah. I feel guilty for being with. I can't. I'm talking about this right now. I feel guilty sometimes that I'm with someone that I'm like, yo, this is You're this so is my happy. person. This yeah. is so great. And so I I could see it, sense it from your guys' social media, like it was like clear and it was popping, and and it's a respect thing. And I want that for everybody. No you doubt. know, I, I want all the homies to find their person, whether it's whoever. Yeah. But uh, no, man, you're a great person. Likewise, bro. And we appreciate, appreciate you. Thank, Thank you for, for sharing us. everything. Of course, man. Thank you yeah. for having us. And yeah, man, I mean, at the end of the day, bro, we're going to keep building. We're going to keep doing, you know, things to empower people and, and do more. And, and you yeah. know, we're fans. We're going to be here supporting you from, you know, this day hey. forth. And, and every time I get a play in here that needs a story to be told, I know where I'm going to send them. My guy. Nick, give me that music because I need it. <laughs> uh, Rand Getlin, of course, hit him up on social media. Is it just at Rand Getlin? Yes, sir. And then Park Stories. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Guys, do what you do. Support them. Show the love. Uh, I love you guys. Keep kicking ass. Keep doing you. Keep being you. We'll holler at you later. Again, thank you so much to Rand Getlin. Honestly, a really, really good guy. I appreciate the support that he's given me. Uh, But also, uh, this is a guy that we never even met before that interview. And I know we talked about it there, but... Uh, he said a lot of things that could get him maybe in some trouble. And I think he also said some things that he's been waiting to say for a long time. Lufko shows a safe space. All right. We're, I, I'm, I'm looking for people to come in here and share their truths. And that's all I can hope for. And he gave me his truth. And I appreciate Rand a lot for that. I mentioned before that I have a conspiracy theory. And what I'm realizing is, you know, if, if Jay Glazer can get out there and, and give his theories and, You know, we can have other reporters kind of say, oh, I mean, if Colin Cowherd can go, you know, ooh, Russell Wilson could be going to the Giants. Ooh, I got one. And uh, it's not that serious. But if it happens, I want claim. It's now time for me to investigate my Pepe Sylvia. Here's my left conspiracy theory. Bill Belichick is planning to replace Gronk with Zion Williamson telling you you know i've always been intrigued at belichick's love and comfort at basketball games his adoration with stars he's always checking out lebron the man is so comfortable in a basketball gym have you ever seen him wear open-toed sandals at football i think not this is a man who doesn't take off but days off but i'll take a bucket of popcorn to the face at a basketball game but that's when i realized maybe these aren't days off Maybe this is scouting. Where would Belichick scout basketball players to make the transition? Second round pick last year, Duke Dawson. And that's what piqued my attention. Belichick is football Coach K. Coach K is basketball Bill Belichick. Belichick learned under a hot-headed head coach. Belichick was a defensive coach that had to adjust to temporary players, and he recently won Super Bowl number 6. Well, what do you know? Coach K also learned from a hot-headed head coach he too was a defensive minded specialist that had to adjust to one and done temporary players 
He was going for number six. Right now, he'll have to sit on number five. If Belichick is going to covet a player, it's a player coveted by basketball Bill Belichick. This is where it gets weird. Gronk retired March 24th. The same week, Bill Belichick did press. He never does press. What press did he do? Coach K's Sirius XM radio show. I know. You know what he said there? Basketball is great because everybody plays offense, defense. But in our sport, there's a division between offense, defense, and special teams. It's hard to pull all those together. But for Bill, Zion can be the one that pulls it all together. Last November, an LSU assistant said Zion would probably be the greatest tight end that's ever lived. That coach, Eric Mateos. Where did Mateos coach in 2015? Arkansas. Who was the head coach at Arkansas at the time? Brett Bielema. Not sure if you heard Greg Schiano stepping down. You know who's likely going to replace him as defensive coordinator? Brett Bielema. Rob Gronkowski is gone. Belichick's found his replacement. It's Zion. So when he puts on that jersey next season, don't be shocked. Just remember Lefko told you. This song is absurd. Thank you for letting me be an idiot and do some conspiracy theories. Um, You guys are awesome. I love you with all of my heart. Uh, To all the homies in the DMs and all the social, uh, at Lefko Show, you guys are great. Uh, And then to the people that are going to be filling up the Reddit, check it out. Put in some questions. I will have some answers. Right now, tentatively, I don't usually do this because I don't want to get excited and then a guest cancels on me, but I want to put the pressure on him. All signs are pointing to Pat McAfee being in here on Wednesday and then that episode coming out on Thursday. It will be absurd if the McAfee man joins the L-E-F-K-O-E man in studio one-on-one. All that coming for you appreciate you guys listening to the podcast hit me up as always nick let's hear that great music oh oh also i want to give a quick shout out one nikki g the audio man making it happen behind the seasons listening to all my craziness about how i want to change the studio and all that he's been down from day one number two jake Jake is the one that does the time codes. He deals with edits. He's helping to put this podcast together. I need you guys to know who are the people behind the scenes helping me out. And third, Connor Rogers from Stick to Football. Been helping out a ton lately. My man, I appreciate you. Thanks to those guys. Thanks to you. I'm the LEFKOE, and we will holler at you later. <laughs>